to another episode of Real Talk. I am your host, Officer Antoine Thomas, and I always like to say, yep, that's me. I almost forgot that. We do want to do that here on Real Talk because uh, you are listening to Real Talk. Now, if you hadn't had the opportunity to listen to the uh, last episode entitled, okay, Women Who Support Law Enforcement, please do. Had two great friends, um, Lindsay Lacasse. And then we brought uh, Alexandria Levine on, and we talked about all things blue, all things how they support law enforcement. And uh, one thing that Back to Blue NC is doing on Lindsay's turf is that they are um, paying a lot of respect, a lot of support to our fallen. Of course, here in North Carolina, we experienced two fallen officers in the last past um, year. Okay, last year, these, uh, well, we had one happened this year, unfortunately. We had a mass shooter who went into a community and just shot random people. And one of the people that he happened to shoot was uh, Officer uh, Gabriel Torres from the city of Raleigh Police Department, who was on his way to work, on his way to work. Innocent guy. He didn't make it to work. He was brutally murdered. But we also had a good uh, brother of mine uh, from the Wake County Sheriff's Office, Ned Bird. He was uh, ambushed, ambushed by an illegal immigrant, okay, who he had thought he was stopping to help, thought a vehicle was, uh, as we say in law enforcement, assist motorists. And it turns out they were there doing some illegal activity, uh, from what we understand, possibly picking up a shipment from the cartels with drugs. And come to find out, uh, Ned Bird interrupted that little um, brief moment. And what they decided was, I'm illegal anyways, they don't know who I am. They um, killed him in an ambush style. And I'm still at times that when I think about it, it just makes me uh, not only um, upset, but it makes me want to, as we say, get revenge. But we know the justice system will hopefully prevail. But this gentleman did it, actually break out of prison somehow. Well, I know how it happened. He had help inside and out. And uh, I hope that when it's said and done, they're going to get down to the bottom of how he was uh, or how he escaped. Okay, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. As you can see, I have a little bit of the 45 flag. And of course, you always know that we have the thin blue line flag here as our background. But I'm not here to talk about those things. Neither am I here to talk about Trump. I am here to first say thank you to our men and women who has uh, served in the United States Armed Forces as we get ready to come up on Memorial Day. I want to say thank you for your tireless service. And I also want to add to that our men and women serving in blue law enforcement who has given their lives, okay? Uh, that show that I did uh, the other day was sitting around the National Police Week, which is where everybody goes to D.C. and they pay homage to those who have lost their li uh, lives in the line of duty. There's some uh, memorial things going on. There's some excitement going on as well at National Police Week, which is held every year in Washington, D.C., now, as you can see, you have a gentleman in a cowboy hat. Some of you may be saying, uh, is he a professional bull rider, PBR? No, maybe he does that in his spare time, but he, if you look very closely, you'll see a star, five-point star there. So that kind of gives you a hint. No, we're not making another movie of the Wild Wild West. This is the real deal here on Real Talk. I have an awesome gentleman who I look forward to bringing on in a moment. I'm going to build him up 
real quick, okay? He is, and this is perfect for Memorial Day weekend, he is a United States Air Force veteran, veteran of the United States Air Force, and we thank him for service. He also spent 26 years in the United States Border Patrol as an agent. 11 of those years he spent as the special agent in charge of Sanderson Station, located in Texas. Okay, he was appointed, okay, as the sheriff, and I would imagine that the uh, governor appointed him, but he's going to tell us if I'm, I'm right or wrong. I know in North Carolina, you can be appointed by the governor, but uh, if, if it wasn't uh, Governor Abbott that appointed him, somebody appointed him, but then he took it upon himself with a great campaign group and staff to run his own election, which he won, okay, uh, back on May 22, and he has served one full year as the sheriff of Terrell County, Texas. If you would, real talk, do as we always like to do. Give it up to our special guest, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland of what? Terrell County, Texas. Sheriff, how are you doing today? I on it, and thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for, for what you do and for the communities you serve and, and for getting the word out, good or bad. Um, you know, forget people on here to, to talk about law enforcement and, uh, you know, take care of our communities. Thank you. Thank you. And you hit it on the nail here on Real Talk. I always say when I designed this show, when it was, uh, as I like to say, in the first of conception of the show, uh, I always said this. We will never defend the police. We'll always, excuse me, we'll never defund the police. We do want to defend them. So I got it backwards. We're always defend the police. We're going to talk about the good and we're going to talk about the bad of policing. So we're going to uh, praise what's right. And we're going to praise what's wrong. Why? Because we don't want to be hypocrites. But we do. This show is an educational piece, Sheriff. Uh, I like to educate people. I've done shows all the way from uh, what is a grand jury. Uh, that show wasn't centered around President Trump, but it was sort of given uh, the idea as he went through the grand jury, we found out that he was indicted um, and they uh, found him, uh, of course, guilty on those charges. Don't know where they're going with this yet, but I decided to, to, to host a show again to educate people on what a grand jury is. What does a grand jury do? I've held shows as far as from, um, I forget the uh, officer's name now, but it'll come to me in a moment. And I understand she's uh, been let free from jail now or prison. I think she spent a couple of years there. But where the officer uh, mistakenly thought that she was picking up her taser and she grabbed a gun and shot uh, a, of course, they said unarmed. And yes, he was unarmed. However, he was a fugitive of justice. He had arrest warrants, and unfortunately, she paid the ultimate price for that. One lost their life, and of course, she went to prison for a few uh, years, and I'm sure she has to register now as a felon, but here goes the deal. We talk about the good and bad. I talked about some of the errors where she made that could be uh, obviously human error, and I also prayed some of the things that she did, and one of the biggest things I thought she did was to um, have that inclination not to retreat, but to say, hey, I'm going to help. She got into the fight. And unfortunately, getting into the fight um, during the apprehension caused her to uh, make a fatal mistake, right? But those are some of the shows I talk about. But today's show, Sheriff, this is another informational show. Uh, I want to discuss all thing, what, things that are going on in Texas. And as you've been a former Border Patrol agent and a special agent in charge, who better 
there to have on the show and hear from you. And now you're serving in the capacity as this sheriff. So you hit it from two prongs. But sheriff, I don't want to steal all the glory, but I want to go ahead and allow you to have that thrill to tell the listeners exactly who you are, where you've been, and where you're going. And then what we'll do, we'll segue into this thing because a lot of the listeners right now are saying, well, what are they going to be talking about? Well, you're going to hear it from us today. Stay tuned. Sheriff Thaddeus, again, thank you for ha- uh, coming on the show today. I almost said thank you for having me, but I'm glad to have you on the show. And uh, it's your floor. Take it. <laughs> All righty, Antoine. Again, thank you for having me today. And, and tell you what, I'm glad to be here and tell you what goes on along our border. Um, I can tell you, you know, having served in 26 years, United States Border Patrol, I, I've seen just about it all. Um, you know, as we've developed this friendship and this relationship, you know, the past few days, um, what's going on along our border, um, what you hear from the United States government and what you see on the news, complete opposites. The government saying that the, the border is under control, but I tell you, it, it's not. It's the worst shape it's ever been in. Um, definitely my 26 years uh, of Border Patrol um, or serving in the Border Patrol. But before we get a little bit more into that, you know, you did mention about being Memorial Day weekend. So definitely want to thank all those and remember all those who paid, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, I myself, as you mentioned, a veteran. Um, I had two grandfathers that served, um, both were career Air Force. Um, I wanted to be a Marine, but thank God they talked some sense into me. I also married to a, a, a woman in the Air Force, met her while I was in the Air Force, and I've got a son serving in the Air Force as well. But also today is a very special day because today is the 99th birthday of the United States Border Patrol. Um, we were first um, enacted back in 1924, May 28, 1924. Next year will be our 100th year anniversary. So, uh, you know, very special day to those of us who have served or cur- currently serving the United States Border Patrol. With that said, you mentioned, lastly, you mentioned, you know, Police Week, uh, the observation of, of National Police Week. And, uh, Patrol, we've lost more than any other United States federal service. We've lost about 153 uh, Border Patrol agents in that 99 years. Wow. Um, I actually lost a very good friend of mine in Nogales, Arizona, where I started my Border Patrol career back in 1997. His name was Alexander Kurtnik. He was uh, an immigrant from Ukraine. I spoke many different languages, came in just a few months after I did. We, we began our, our career. We cut our teeth there in Nogales. And uh, about a year after us being in, he uh, he jumped the dope loader from Trevor Canyon, and uh, he had everybody on the ground. As he was getting things situated, he had a partner with him, but one guy had a weapon, turned around, shot, and it hit Alexander in the head and, and killed him. So, uh, so you know, thinking about police week, and, uh, you know, I think about him often, but, but definitely at that time. So, um, you know, you talked a little myself and where I'm a sheriff at. So I'm, I'm actually sure from my, my hometown, my, my home county. This is where I grew up, where I graduated high school, where I joined the Air Force from. It's uh, it's the 10th largest county in the state of Texas. We have 54 miles of border with Mexico. We have 20, I, I think I mentioned 2,400 square miles. We have two deputies, uh, a sheriff and deputy, a sheriff and a chief deputy. Uh, my partner, Diego Gonzalez, he is also a border patrol agent for a career. Um, we have three dispatcher slash jailers and i'll tell you what the, the work that those dispatcher jailers do it, it, it is a lot more than than what i do and i do a lot um diego and i both do a lot it's uh you know 
they're the lifeline to, to not only to border patrol agents at the time, to us in the sheriff's office, but to our, our Texas Department of Public Safety personnel we have working here in the county, our Texas Parks and Wildlife Game Wardens, um, EMS services, they dispatch for all of them. So I just want to make sure I give them a shout out and, uh, and just brag on the good work that they do. But when I, you know, I, I described what Carroll County is and, and the border with Mexico, but uh, to, to put it more in perspective, and I like to say we measure in hours rather than miles out here. But when you when you go and you purchase a new cell phone and you walk into that AT&T store or, or, you know, Sprint, T-Mobile, whatever it is, and you see that map of America on the wall and it's completely all red because we have coverage in the entire United States of America except for one little dot. And that's down by the Mexican border, and that's Terrell County. We have very little infrastructure out here, whether it's along the border. Um, it, it's it's a, a very desolate place, but best place to raise a family. And that's why I came home to uh, to leave the men and women of the United States Border Patrol to, to be able to protect the community I grew up in and, uh, and serve that community and, and have had the opportunity not only as a Border Patrol agent, the patrol agent in charge of the station, but also now as the sheriff. So uh, growing up here, I was raised with my grandmother and uh, and there were so many families that, that really that really blessed me, that, uh, that raised me as if I was one of their own. Again, a grandmother was strong in faith, she instilled her faith into my values, but so many families that, that treated me as if I was one of their own. And I like to often say that I was better off than most kids with two parents. But, uh, you know, again, growing up here, graduating high school, I moved off to college, which to a community about an hour away in Alpine, Texas. And, uh, and I, I went to, to college there for a semester. Um, my, my major, my courses were all law enforcement. I've known from a very young age, actually back in the first grade, that I would be in law enforcement. I either know I'd be a Texas Department of Public Safety Highway Patrolman or a United States Border Patrolman. And, uh, and I just happened to test for the United States Border Patrol before I tested for Highway Patrol, and the rest is history. But uh, but yes, I served three years in the United States Air Force. I had signed up for four. Um, again, one of God's blessings. I had tested for the United States Border Patrol while still on active duty in the United States Air Force. I passed the test. Um, my career field happened to be overmanned, so uh, you know I went to my my leaders, to my my commander, Colonel Ross, and, and explained to him that Border Patrol is what I wanted to do for a career. And uh, he let me out of my, my obligation to get early. And, and I started with the United States Border Patrol back in February 1996. Um, I actually went out to the uh, Border Patrol Academy in Glencoe, Arizona, uh, Glencoe Georgia. And uh, it was about six months long. And then I, I was shipped out to Nogales, Arizona. And at that time, Nogales was ground zero for border security. Um, did you have any specific questions yet? Because I can keep going. And you may have to interrupt me. You won't hurt my feelings, Antoine, because, man, I'll, I'll just talk and talk and talk. Well, we got a lot of great things to discuss, and we have so many great things to uh, talk about, and the truth will definitely come out. So some folks are wondering as you speak, they're saying, what is the show all about? And so today... We want to tell you that we're going to be talking all things Southern border, but we want you to hear the real truth. See, the media and, of course, the Biden administration is feeding us a bunch of lies. And for the most part, if you're smart enough to figure out that that's not exactly true, what he's saying is very obvious because guess what? Uh, the vice president um, never went down to the border. She said, why did she need to go? 
She says the same thing as if she went over to, I think she said France. I think she used that uh, analogy. Okay. AOC went to the border, wore white dress, uh, pantsuit, I think, and had, as we call it, crocodile tears. Apparently, it was just a photo op. Why would you even wear white to a desert place? That's number one mistake. And so why did I bring it up? Because they're feeding us a bunch of lies. And what better way and why did I think it would be befitting to bring a gentleman who spent 26 years protecting our border, okay, and now the sheriff who, who, he, who is still protecting our border with uh, limited manpower, why not have him on the show? But today's show is entitled just this, what's really happening at our southern border? Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland is going to tell us all things there, but I want to share something with you for a moment. A couple um, weeks ago, I put out a post on the party of Trump's Facebook page, where I happen to be a moderator in there, so I have a chance to get in there and post whatever I want. Of course, I don't get crazy, but uh, I, I said something, and it was right when uh, Title 42 was getting ready to expire. I had an epiphany laying in bed, and I had to write it down, went to Facebook with it. I said this, uh, Sheriff Thaddeus, and it wasn't profound, wasn't something that was amazing, but after about 500 uh, views and likes on it with like 90 shares on it. I, I guess it was profound. That's not what I was trying to accomplish. But this is what I said. I said, would it be, and I said, of course, I have an epiphany. I started with that, Sheriff. But I said, would it be that uh, Biden, of course, we know he has some cognitive issues, but it would it just be that he has decided to dismantle Title 42 open up our borders so that people like yourself and many other sheriffs and border patrols will have a heck of a time trying to catch up and God forbid the um, dangers that come along with it. You talked about a good friend of yours who was killed at the hands of a illegal immigrant with a firearm that probably wasn't even legal. But would it be, Sheriff, and you tell me if I'm wrong and tell me if I'm just crazy, would it be that Biden's opening up this border to uh, everybody? Of course, everybody always assumed, because I used to think this too, that only the Mexicans was coming was coming through the southern border. But we forgot about our El Salvadorians, our Venezuelans, and all these other folks that you're going to talk about, Guatemalans, who come through the Mexican border as a entry point. Well, why won't they go to uh, the Canadian border? Because they're nowhere near the Canadian border. Right. And I'm sure as much and you'll be able to talk about this, too, maybe I'm sure as much tighten, uh, uh, strong, stronger to get through that Canadian border. I don't know. Never been. But would it just be because uh, Biden Biden knows and his administration knows that he's not going to be um, the commander in chief in 24? So he is saying, why don't I create just a huge disaster for the man himself? And of course, I'm going for 45 Donald Trump. To, or whoever the next president may be. It won't be Biden, though, right? I, I believe that even the, the Democrats are going to surprise us because they're not going to vote that man back in. But what it just be, and I'm going to shut up, that he knows he won't be the president any longer, so why not create a huge mess for somebody else coming in? After all, after all, President Carter is no longer considered the worst president in American history. Biden has taken that trophy. So would it be just that he is saying, you know what, since I already have this black mark on me, I'm just going to jack it all up. I'm going to mess it all up, leave it in the hands of the next president who will have a hard time, hard time 
uh, securing that border than they ever have because I'm opening the wide up to everybody. This is what I said on Facebook, Sheriff, and I, I believe it. It just has to be true. Why would any other person who considers themselves, uh, he's supposed to be an American, obviously, he was born there, but the president, why would he not want to protect the border? Why would you let everybody and anybody enter the country? We haven't uh, vetted them. We haven't ran them through uh, even the, uh, I'm sure, disease tests, all the shots and immunizations that we're supposed to do. There's no way those people are getting those types of treatment. And then by by then, Sheriff, I'm going to shut up. They bring them into the country, give them all the benefits as American citizen who, again, we have invested, we haven't found out who they are, and let them have a piece of this, what we call the American dream, the American pie. It's not right for all other um, migrants that came into this country legally uh, who put their time in, who took the courses, who did their United States test, passed successfully to live in this country. And, and Sheriff, I just feel like, and listen, I am for the entering of the America. I am for that. But illegally, not so much. Not so much, Sheriff. But you know more about it. But I wanted to segue into Title 42, which I want you to talk about. But most people don't understand the reason why Title 42 was enacted. It's been in our on our books for policy-wise because everybody thinks this is, well, some people think this is a bill. It's not a bill. It's a policy. But uh, it's been on the books, and President Trump enacted it on March 20th, I believe, of 2020, to hopefully stop the spread by not allowing people, who again, who we had invested, who we hadn't ran through the system to enter our country knowing that we're in a pandemic, but no, we call it a plandemic. Uh, of course, Vice President uh, Pence enacted that. He went against the CDC, Robert Redfield, who uh, was saying, you know, the numbers don't really show that it's a spread, which we knew it was. Of course, we saw uh, Fauci all over the place, right? Um, I forgot the Dr. Birch and all those people, all right, were saying that. But so anyways, they opened Title 42 up in an event to do two things, stop the spread, also keep illegal immigrants from entering our country during a time where we were very vulnerable health-wise, right, Sheriff? And Biden got rid of all that. And so I'm going to let you speak on it. I know you have some great information to tell us about. But all we keep hearing is Title 42, decrease, dismantle, which now is no longer a Title 42. What's your thoughts? What's your concerns? And what do you have? Yeah, so, so first and foremost, you know, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Um, I, my beliefs, I'm a Christian, uh, I'm, I'm conservative, um, but at times I, I, I don't want to call myself a Democrat or Republican, um, but I am, I am a conservative. That. I'm a God-fearing Christian. With that being said, at the national level, it doesn't matter if you call yourself a Republican or Democrat. Nobody wants to fix what's going on in the border. Everybody's had the opportunity going back years and years, and no one's done anything to fix it. Um, it's a solvable problem. It can be solved overnight. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'll, I'll tell you, if, if the federal government's willing to lie about what's going on along our borders, then what else are they going to lie to us about? And what we've seen along our border the last two years has been, it's been busier than any other time in history. Um, we've seen more illegal aliens attempting to cross, apprehended, got away, and those we don't even know who they were. Um, but to get back to your, your Title 42 question, first and foremost, um, you know, Title 42 
who was enacted to protect our communities and our border patrol agents from COVID. It, it was it, it was a, a good um, policy that was was put forth and enacted again to protect people from the COVID. However, it was time for it to go because since we've had Title 42, we haven't had our Title 8 authority. We've been using Title 42 authority, which is if you're from Mexico or any continuous country, which would be Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, against um, a few other countries, Venezuela was actually put on that list. You were able to be sent right back to Mexico. Um, your your records, we take your, your fingerprints, we take your biometrics. Um, and if you had a criminal history here in the United States, yes, we would prosecute you. But if you were just crossing our border, you had no criminal history, we would prosecute And under Title VIII, that's what we used to do. That serves as a deterrent. So again, Title 42, catch, apprehend, send back. So with that said, our recidivism rates, the rate of reapprehension increased. We were below 10%. We were around 5 6 7%, you know, under Trump with Title 8. Um, Title 42 was brought forth. Our recidivism rate, our rate of reapprehension went up into the 25 26 27%. I forget exactly which one, which one, but you can Google that. So Title 42 was meant to protect people. COVID's gone. It's time to, to get rid of it, which we finally did. It was being used as an immigration tool, and we need to get back to our Title 8 and use that to prosecute people illegally entering our country in between the ports of entry. With that said, we can have, we, or what we need is short term plans, and we need our, our long term. So, short term, we need to, again, Title 8, and then we need to bring back the migrant protection protocol because we have a, at our borders. And with all the increase of people waiting in Mexico to cross our border, it was because they want to claim some sort of political relief, political asylum. And, and the vast majority of those aren't going to be um, are going to be founded cases. They're going to be unfounded. They they don't have you know a, a fear of returning their to their country or credible fear. They'll make it up, but they don't have the ability to come into our country. So they're using that that avenue to enter our country illegally under false pretenses. So what President Trump did, he had what was called the Migrant Protection Protocol, the MPP, or also you may know it as Remain in Mexico. Yeah. If you were going to come to our country and claim asylum, you were going to have to wait in Mexico until your your case was heard by an immigration judge or an asylum, actually, um, someone that was listening to your case. So that served as a deterrent in itself. So that's what we need to bring back short term. Long term, we need to have border security and immigration reform. Those are two separate topics. Border security has to be complete first. We have to secure our southwest border with Mexico. You're never going to be able to secure it 100%. You're never going to be able to build a wall across the entire U.S.-Mexico border. In parts of, of New Mexico, Arizona, California, you know, out there, yes, we need a wall because it serves as a barrier and a deterrent to keep people back. They still can go over it, under it, or through it. But when you get here to Texas, we have the Rio Grande River that serves as a God-made barrier, as I like to put. It's it's uh, the entire length of Mexico. And Texas is two-thirds of the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, I think about 1,200 miles. I forget right off the top of my head, about 1,200 miles here in Texas. Um, but the area, the Rio Grande River, where I live in south of us, you know, you have anywhere from five, six, seven 700-foot cliffs to, to 1,800-foot cliffs. So that serves as a natural barrier. However, with that being said, people can still traverse and, and go through nooks and crannies to, to cross our border illegally. Um, you know, I want to get back to, to 
to kind of to shape up what's gone on along our border. Because I said, again, Republicans, Democrats have all had that, that opportunity. Um, I've served under five different presidents. And again, I'm going to be nothing but truthful with you. So President, President Clinton, um, you know, border security was huge back then or illegal immigration was huge. And he did some good things. Of course, President Bush really did some good things. That's when we saw the border really grow. We saw some, some new fencing starting to come in, different fencing, whether it was pedestrian fencing, vehicle barriers, things of that nature. And then we went to uh, to President Obama, and he was he was labeled the porter-in-chief, so he still put forth border security initiatives. And then we went to President Trump, and, and we saw things that we'd never seen on the U.S.-Mexico border. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, we started seeing an uptick in, in the, the caravans. You remember the caravans? Yes. That's when we first started seeing the caravans. And to counter that, to counter that, that's when he threatened Mexico. He said, if you don't start controlling the border, both the U.S.-Mexico border as well as the Mexico-Guatemala border, then we're going to increase tariffs on the goods you want to bring in the United States. And, and that got their, their attention because, uh, you know, the amount of trade and, and, and legitimate travel that goes on between our two countries is tremendous. I mean, we, we, we keep Mexico alive. So they, uh, they listened and they sent personnel on the U.S.-Mexico border to patrol. Never seen that before. And they also sent personnel on the, the Guatemala-Mexico border. And we've never seen that before. That brought us down to, to the lowest levels of illegal aliens crossing our border that we had seen in about 45 years. Um, but you'll see somebody in a blue uniform. And, and that's a Customs and Border Protection Officer. They have the same authorities we do. We're actually um, brother-sister agencies with Customs and Border Protection. We are the law enforcement presence at the border. But, uh, you know, you, you've seen this past two years, and let me articulate that a little bit. And I, I stated earlier, you know, we, we've never seen the levels of activity on our southwest border like we've seen in the last two years. And the only thing that's changed is the administration. And... and whether it's in between our port of entries, the amount of people we've seen apprehended, you know, over 2 million people to, uh, to the, the large fentanyl seizures and other dangerous drugs that are, that are coming through our ports of entry. And they don't just come in to ports of entry, the, the vast amounts do. We still have you know, narcotic seizures in between the ports of entry, but month after month, we'll continue to see, you know, record-breaking loads. And the reason we're seeing record-breaking loads that's they're successful getting their their drugs through our border, and, and we've yeah. seen just you know the, the amount of fentanyl poisons poisoning our country you know increase year after year. So border security is paramount. We have to secure our border, and then we can move to immigration reform. Um, you know, I mentioned to you I wanted to articulate about the border and going back to when President Clinton was president. You know, El Paso was ground zero at that one point, and, and that's where we had. Um, Operation Hold the Line. That's where we first started, and this was in the late 80s, early 90s, started putting infrastructure. We had a chief patrol agent there named Silvestre Reyes, and, and they started to put fencing systems there. They started putting cameras there. started putting lighting along the board. The, this dark, you know, that's when, when the vast majority of legal alien activity happens across the border. So they implemented lights along the border. They increased the amount of border patrol agents in El Paso. And that secured that piece of border. Did you still have illegal aliens crossing? Yes, you always will. But they didn't have the mass numbers. So what happened is we had a shift to San Diego, California. We had Operation um, 
gatekeeper in California, San Diego. And again, we, we put forth the infrastructure, which again, fencing systems, roadways, camera sensors. We put in the technology, ground sensors, um, night and daytime cameras. And then we implemented more manpower because no matter how much technology you put on the border, you're still going to need somebody with a badge that can go out there and make that apprehension, that arrest, that seizure of narcotics. So after we secured El Paso and San Diego, we saw that shift to Nogales in the mid-90s. And that's when I came into Border Patrol, as I mentioned, 1996. And we had the, the uh, ABCI initiative, Arizona Border Control Initiative. And we did the same thing, more fencing, more roadways, more um, technology, and more manpower. In, in Nogales, for instance, when I got there, we, we put it over 60 agents, um, pushing 100 agents. And then by the time I left in four years, we had grown to a station of 500 more patrol agents. And, and at that time, we were catching um, about 1,000 aliens, illegal aliens a day, 30,000 a month. But when we implemented that border system there, it helped secure it. It put it displaced that activity down to the Rio Grande Valley. So we went from El Paso to San Diego to Tucson. Then it shifted down to the Rio Grande Valley. We did the same thing. Then it forced it out to El Centro Yuma. We, we implemented that same border system there. And then Del Rio and Laredo, that last portion of border where we haven't added infrastructure by fencing, technology, roadways, uh, map is right here where I live. Big Bend Border Patrol sector. It, it, it's from El Paso, this side of El Paso, which is Husband County, to my county, Terrell County. That's 517 miles of border that make up the Big Bend sector. That's the largest amount of border that any sector has. It's actually um, a quarter of the U.S.-Mexico border. And as I mentioned earlier, my county, 54 miles of border, but we have a border patrol station here that's responsible for 91 miles of border, all of Terrell County and the southeast portion of Brewster County. But for that 91 miles of border, you have approximately 50 agents that are that are charged with patrolling that border. And I'll tell you what, they do a, a heck of a job. Um, their sign-cutting abilities, their, uh, their, their detection capabilities, their God-given skills, because we don't have a lot of technology here. They rely on looking at the ground, looking for footprints in the dirt. We have what's called drag roads, where we have a swath of land where we drag tires to, to loosen up the dirt. That way you can see when people cross it. Ah. So, so, so they're looking for footprints. They're looking for, when they get off that drag road, they're looking for kicked over rocks, because you can tell when you kick a rock over and there's moisture under it if someone's been there. They're looking for broken branches. They're looking for laid down grass. Um, all of this stuff is called sign cutting. So that's what agents are doing. They're, they're looking they're looking for a clue that someone was there, and then that's called a detection, and then they start a tracking operation. And they'll, they'll what we call leapfrog. An agent will track it so far. Another agent will, will cut for the sign further up. We may have air support come in and assist us. We may have a drone um, a predator B, which you know used to be in the military, that will come over and have technology to, to help us out. But it takes all of those components to successfully apprehend a group. Then you, you put forth, you know, the last two years what um, Governor Abbott's done along the border. Um, he he got fed up with the the federal government because the federal government has authority for illegal immigration. States don't have that authority. That's the charge of the federal government. And due to the fact that the the gov the uh, the president's not Capabilities at the border. Border Patrol agents are doing what they're supposed to be doing, yeah. but there's just so many people; it's clogged up the system. Mm. So, so for instance, um, 
and I'll get back to my Governor Abbott thought. But for instance, uh, Border Patrol, we're, we're just like a, a police station. We apprehend people, we process them, and then we send them back, or we send them down the line. So if it's someone to go back to Mexico, we send them to Mexico. But if it's someone who's either going to be prosecuted or, or from another country, under Title Lake, we can't just send somebody from Guatemala to Mexico. We have to repatriate them to their country of origin. And you're right when you said earlier, it's not just people we're catching from Mexico. You know, people have always said, you guys are racist. You only are looking to target Mexicans. Well, that's not true. We catch people from all over the world. Central America, South America, Africa, Europe, Asia, you name it. We catch people from all over the world. So, no, we're not just looking for Mexicans. We're looking for anybody or anything that crosses that border illegally. Um, so, so moving forth with, with that, um, the amount of assistance that the governor has given us has just been tremendous. He's deployed Texas Department of Public Safety personnel to include ranger rangers, CID agents, which are, are their criminal investigative divisions, to Texas Department of Public Safety Highway Patrol officers, which are the black and white highway patrol unit you see in the Texas is proud of. He's, he's put forth Texas Parks and Wildlife Game Wardens who give us a tremendous amount of, of assistance. And then he's also deployed Texas Military Forces, the Texas National Guard along the border. He did that to fill the gap that the federal government has left. And again, border patrol agents are, are doing a heck of a job, but once they catch them, and I was talking about you know that, that process being clogged, um, we catch them. If they're an unaccompanied juvenile, they go to Health and Human Services. If they're from another country, they go to ICE, ERO, which is removal operations. Uh, those processes have become so clogged because there's so many people. The Border Patrol has to hold on to them long term. That's why you see Border Patrol building these tent camps to, uh, to hold people. We're not supposed to be, but we're forced to do so because we have no other alternative. And when people talk, talk about the way we treat people, I can tell you there's no other place in the world where people are treated like they are here at the U.S.-Mexico border. reason that is is because we're still the greatest country in the world. Yeah. So great that when you cross our border illegally, you have the same rights that you or I do. Any illegal alien who crosses our border has the same right that you or I do process. They can see an immigration judge. And likely they're going to be sent back to their country of origin, but they have that, that ability. When they talk, you know, historically about kids in cages, it's true. When they talk about, you know, the bad conditions by law we have to check on people you know every every you know 15 to 30 minutes we have to feed people regularly we have logs we fill out so people are well kept along our southwest border i can promise you that but um i tell you we, we're just we're seeing more activity than we've ever seen um, and we're counting on seeing that for the next two years until we get another it's going to take a change in administration to fix this why is the president doing it? Well, like you said, uh, it, it, it's not the president making this, these decisions. He may get the nod, but it's, it's his staff, it's his administration. It's the people that put him in office at that level that are, are wanting to change the you know, social media. I agree. I totally agree. You know, you, you said something <clears throat> very important, and people have got to hear this. And again, you're hearing it from a former Border Patrol and the sheriff who still works down the border. You heard him say, it is not true what you're hearing about how um, we treat 
these immigrants, uh, illegal aliens, they're not throwing them against the uh, UTVs, the four-wheel vehicles. They're not, despite what we saw in the media, chasing them around on horses. Of course, they said that the uh, Border Patrol was being very racist towards the uh, Haitian immigrants that was coming in. They took pictures of them, of course, live video of them chasing, allegedly trying to round them up like uh uh, livestock, which we know that was not true, but a lot of people bought that uh, false narrative on the left uh, left uh, side, as we like to say. Of course, that went away after weeks because people uh, started to wake up, I guess, or just wasn't being a fulfilled news story any longer that the uh, Border Patrols were acting like cowboys in the Wild Wild West. And it did. It did play out for a while, but it got old. You know, we got tired of hearing it. At some point, you just don't want to be fed, uh, like we say, the BS. But going back to what you said, y'all are not treating these people uh, the way, and, and, you know, you look at it, technically they are um, criminals. They are trying to enter a country illegally, but yet you still feed them. Uh, yet you make, oh, God forbid, the medical care you have to give them because a lot of them are getting sick. And I understand, Sheriff, a lot of, uh, and, and I found this out on Newsmax for some some actual live migrants who were reporting from all across the country on the southern border that they uh, sexual assaults have gone up. Assaults in general has gone up because these men are out here uh, having sex yeah. and God forbid the child molestation that is going on. But despite all that, I look at the cost of this operation, just along our federal government that we have to use law enforcement wise, the manpower there. And I'm sure you're just as short as any other law enforcement um, agency in, in, in America, um, the federal resources. <clears throat> and then we look at the food, the medical, and then we look at the transportation to get these people back to their homelands. This is a lot of revenue, a lot of time, a lot of effort is going into the southern border. And it's like a revolving door. You said something that was so profound. You mentioned, uh, I had never heard of that before. Uh, what do you call it? Grass cutting? Well, what was that term when you go ahead and look for these details and clues? Side cutting. Side cutting. Side cutting. You mentioned something and I'm sitting there listening to you talk. I'm like, that's that is a revolving door. It's like what we got going on in New York, you know, uh, the uh, county district attorney letting these criminals out on bun. And what are they doing? They're going out and committing another crime. It's just the same for y'all. And as a local law enforcement officer, I've run into illegal aliens who actually was deported and made their way back into the country to commit more crime. So I know a little bit about it, don't know as much as you. I can only imagine. It is a revolving door, Sheriff. Uh, how do you all combat that at some point do you say hands down i know in your heart you can't because you're defending our country but what's the attitude of these border patrols out there knowing that they're fighting you know, a and, relentless battle remind me remind me to touch on on, on the, the the attitude part but I I mean, will. You, you made some good points and and i mentioned to you when we first started talking you know and you experienced the same being a law enforcement people are, often say thank you for what you do you're so brave your job so hard well I'm, I'm attracted to law enforcement from a very young age because i knew what the threats were i knew what the dangers were i've been shot at i've been in fights um, i've been in pursuits you know you name it i've experienced it in the united states border patrol as well as here at the sheriff's office but i joined law enforcement because that's what i was attracted to yeah. what's hard about my job 
being a border patrol agent and now being the sheriff because we have no crime in Terrell County. Our, our main crime is border security. But what's hard about being a border patrol agent is when you see on a daily basis, if you've got a heart and you care about people and you see young kids, you see women at all ages, you see elderly, poorest of the poor trying to cross our borders, mm. that's, that's tough. It wears on you. Yes, you're right. They're breaking the laws and, and we're going to enforce the laws of the United States of America. That's what we need to do. Right now, we're not enforcing them, meaning not that I'm not, but our federal government, the current presidential administration, it is not allowing us to enforce the laws. If we had just enforced the laws on the book, it would be something totally different. And, and I, I got from a, a good friend of mine who ran for Congress, Irene Armandadis Jackson. She she mentioned, and I mentioned in one of my interviews, it, it's it's not that our, our, our immigration system is broken, it's that DC is broken. And, and it's so true. But but get back to there are people too. Um, yes, you do have the criminal element. The people you, you you've experienced that have been deported and they've re-entered and, and they've they've been arrested for um, I mean we've seen we catch murderers, people that have um, drank and drive, people that have, have, have sexual assaulted other people. I mean you any crime that we have in America, they've committed, they've been deported and now they're coming back. Um, but that's not all the people. There are also a lot of good people, but again, they're still breaking the law. So with that said, um, you know, we talked about the level of activity along the border. And what you're seeing in Del Rio last year with the Haitians under the um, crossing at Del Rio, it, you know, and I forget how many thousands were there. What you've seen happen in El Paso here these recent months, um, the Sanderson Border Patrol Station, we're, we're in between Del Rio, Texas and El Paso, Texas. And we're typically the busiest station in that swath of border that's about five just over five maybe close to 600 miles worth of busiest station and historically we've had about a thousand apprehensions a year and that's a drop in the bucket compared to other places and the reason is is due to the terrain i mentioned to you it's the roughest toughest terrain no infrastructure south of us to facilitate a large nor is there a lot of not much infrastructure north of us to facilitate that flow out but like the rest of the border in in 2021 that, that first year President Biden took over, our, our apprehensions went from 1,000 to 5,500. And then in, in 2022, it jumped to 7,400. We had like a 450% increase in illegal alien activity. That was just apprehensions. Also, our gotaways went from about you know 1,500 a year. It jumped up to, to last year, just over 8,000. So we had, what I can tell you, we had, about 7,400 apprehensions, somewhere over 7,000 apprehensions, 8,000 got away equals 50,000. And I, and my number only, there's no count, but there probably another 5,000 have made it through undetected, unaccounted for, and we have no idea who they are. So you look at in our area, about 20,000 people that, that cross this section of border. Again, 58 to combat that. You know, two sheriff's personnel, myself and, and my chief deputy, Diego, and then that one Texas, uh, Highway Patrol Trooper, and then two Parks and Wildlife Game Wardens that are here full-time. And then, like I mentioned, we have the governor rotating um, personnel out. And to that point, I, I want to mention that, so this past year, this fiscal year in October, we've assisted Border Patrol either with apprehensions or assisting them apprehend uh, uh, almost 700 illegal aliens. They, they've apprehended almost 4,000 this year. Of those 4,000, we've helped with 700. We've taken close to almost 200 vehicles off the road. And when I speak to us on that, that specific number, the 200, that's between us and highway patrol. And I want to take that one step back further. So in 
October, beginning of this year, we, we saw a significant increase in activity and uh, to the point where Border Patrol couldn't handle it, we couldn't handle it, and the state resources we had here couldn't handle it. So I, uh, I took the opportunity to write a letter to the governor. Um, I thank him for, for what he had done here already. I congratulated him on his recent win to be our governor again, and then I asked him for additional resources. The very next day, I got a call from one of his staffers, um, and then she coordinated for a call between me and him the, the following day. And within two days, he gave me exactly what I asked for, which was an additional 10 highway patrol troopers to help patrol the highways here in Terrell County. And, and after that, November to December, we took over 100 cars off the highway that were here to smuggle illegally. So wow. uh, it, I tell people I was having the time of my life. It reminded me of being a brand new border patrol agent in Dallas, Arizona. Um, Fortunately and unfortunately, we've only had one bad accident because when you encounter that many vehicles, you have a lot of pursuits. People who are, aren't willing to stop, they're going to run so that the, the pursuit is on. Um, we had one accident that actually killed four people. It, it killed two undocumented aliens, two illegal aliens, and then it, it killed two uh, people that were from Mexico and were allowed to come to the United States and work in a oil field because we're, we're in a an area of Texas, the Permian Basin, where there's a lot of gas and oil. So, unfortunately, that wreck killed four people. But at that point is when when I when I said I'm not going to let anything run through my town in a pursuit. So we started coordinating those those uh, pursuits a lot better. Um, my chief deputy, I mean, he gets on the radio and he'll he'll talk people through. You know, where are you at? Where are you heading? Well, let's wait to light it up until we get to the other side of town. Um, I've shot out three tires with a shotgun as I'm driving because wow. I won't let anything come through my town. And I don't say that in a manner to brag or that cowboy, but I'm not going to risk someone in my community getting hit by a car that's failing to yield, that's leading us on a pursuit. So I've shot out three tires. We've spiked multiple vehicles. We use um, spike maps that we lay across the highway. Uh, I've spiked a lot more vehicles being the sheriff than I ever did at the Border Patrol. Um, I'm not sure if I, I told you earlier, but I, I tell you, I've caught more legal aliens this past year than I caught the last 11 years. Uh, I've worked 100 times harder, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, I, I, I've done, it's, it's required so much more than what required the Border Patrol, all for about a quarter to pay, but I would do it for free. I tell you that. It's, it's been to protect our borders, protect my community, and to assist those agents I used to work with. It's, uh, it's been a great opportunity. I love it. And I'll say, Sheriff, the reason why you're able to do all these things at a bigger scale without any, uh, as we call, uh, uh, hands tying you down, because you are the sheriff. You have nobody that yes. you answer to other than the governor. So you can blow out tires. You can shoot them out. You can <laughs> deputize hey, folks. So, so, so actually, I don't, even, I don't even report to the governor. Oh, wow. You know, the, the governor has to get permission to send people into our county, and we welcome them here. Um, wow. And I say that respectfully. Um, no, I, and you're right. So the red tape, um, while in Border Patrol, of course, when we catch somebody, and it, let's just use an illegal alien smuggling boat, you get a driver, the, the, the person that's the principal of the, the smuggling boat. We have to go to the assistant U.S. attorney to get approval for prosecution. And it used to be where they would take a sworn statement well, then they started wanting them to have them, you know, tape recorded. Then they wanted to have them video recorded. You know, each the administration has made it harder and harder to prosecute the smugglers. Um, not only that, the 
without the required paperwork it takes to process a smuggling case, to seize a vehicle. Here at the state level in the county, I can knock out an illegal alien smuggling load in about an hour, and I've got a district attorney over in Delaware, Texas, Suzanne West, that just does a phenomenal job, hasn't kicked back a single case yet. Awesome. So at the state level, we have it right. At the federal level, we need some work done. But of course, and it's not that the assistant U.S. attorneys are bad, it's that they have to, like the rest of the government, they have to fall in line with the current administration. I gotcha. Let me tell you something. Donald J. Trump, guess what? If you're looking for your next director to lead the United States Border Patrol, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland might be your man. I know you love uh, being the sheriff, and I know you're a great people that you serve in your community of uh, Terrell County. Wouldn't want you to go anywhere, but... Uh, and the last acting um, <clears throat> gentleman, I'm sure you would know who that is, the Border Patrol um, director. I think uh, he did a beautiful job there. But tell you, like you said, it is a it is a loops and 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 all these holes and checks and balances that you have to go through just to make one apprehension case. Uh, and I think that was designed on purpose. You know, I think it was designed on purpose because as law enforcement officers, you know better than I know, the more paperwork you have to do on one case keeps us from pursuing other cases because we're so much tied down on this one. So uh, that becomes an issue. Right. And I wish the people that make the rules and laws, most of them made up of attorneys, will actually see. Uh, we love paperwork. We need documentation. We're all about that. But the amount of paperwork they have us doing that keeps us tied up in the office from going out to get the other bad guys. So probably five out of your 10 or probably more getting away because we are sitting here trying to uh, finish out one caseload. But I'm glad you got a strong district attorney. That makes a huge difference. Uh, Sheriff, that is a beautiful thing. What I want to do, I want to just take a quick moment to break off for a moment. We're going to come back in and give our listeners some more of this. And uh, I love it. I know they're loving it. And I know you are, Sheriff. You are um, what we call a walking book of information as it pertains to uh, law enforcement and the southern border. So I want to say to the listeners, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Hang tight. We're coming back. Here we go. And we are back. We are back. Welcome back to Real Talk. I have Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland on from Terrell County, Texas, the sheriff. We're talking all things southern border. What is our title today? What's really happening at the southern border? Or I should say our southern border. As um, When we left, we were talking about how the overload of work that we have to do and Federal government, as you, you stated, from the federal level, it takes so much more to get things done. From a state and local level, you have more uh, of an opportunity because there's less loopholes to jump through. Same type of paperwork, but less loopholes that you have to jump to. Still making apprehensions, still getting those uh, convictions. But I had spoke about, as we left out, how uh, you, have, you, you stated you had a great district attorney. That means a lot. We see what's going on in New York. How in the world can police do their jobs, especially in New York City, when you have a uh, liberal, okay, DA Allen Braggs or Alvin Braggs, who is there uh, letting criminals go, letting criminals go, decreasing felonies to misdemeanors, but however, going out there, former city president for campaign finance funds. I don't get it, but we know what it is. It's all the left agenda. I want to say this because as I talked about earlier, Sheriff, 
The Biden administration is feeding us BS. The media is feeding us BS. But you know what is very ironic about all this? They're allowing um, our southern border to be unprotected, like you know all too well, like what we're talking about. Fentanyl is a huge uh, drug epidemic that is going on in our country that are killing not only innocent uh, civilians, but it's also killing innocent officers who come in contact with this stuff. It's potent. It's dangerous. And we know that our uh, drug cartels are smuggling this in. I know you've apprehended and were able to confiscate lots of it, I'm sure, and other drug that uh, we wouldn't even want to even put into our bodies. But yet, this is what's very ironic, Sheriff, and I'm going to shut up and digress. Uh, they talk about all these things, how they're protecting the border, doing all these things, which they know that they're really not. Imagine if President Trump was the one who canceled Title 42, who said, come one, come all unto our country on the southern border. You know how that news article would read, something sort of like this. Uh, President Trump releases the and opens the gates to all illegal immigrants. What happens to the protection of America? That's what they'll be spouting, right? They would say uh, he has a sworn duty to uphold, to protect the Americans. However, he's letting them come in by the droves, these migrants who are killers and thieves and robbers, all that stuff. They would just keep going. But the most part about all they would say, you know, they would say, Sheriff, it's time to impeach him. Let's go for articles of impeachment once again. That's what it would be. I haven't heard any of this from the left as they allow Biden to do this. And you said something so great. No, it's not really Biden. He's been told what to say. You know, he's the puppet master, right? Um, or he's the one that's being the puppet. And there's a master who's just pulling his strings. We understand all that. But at the end of the day, Sheriff, what I do know to be true is that we have got to find some type of solidarity to get this border on control. And like you stated, it's going to be this way for years and years to come. And I hate whoever will be the next president. I don't hate them. I'm saying I hate the amount of work and efforts it's going to take for them to try to get this border under control, Sheriff. But I'm going to let you have the floor again. I just needed to say that because it's very important that we don't forget that if the shoes were on the other foot, it would be a different type of rhetoric, right? But uh, because they have who they wanted, they're praising him. And they even, I even heard it as far as say he's doing a great, or his press secretary said it, Kareem uh, Jean-Pierre. She said, the president's doing a great job with the border crisis. He's handling as well as any other president can handle. He's been given a bad set of plans trying to throw shade upon uh, Donald. Trump. But go ahead, Sheriff. I digress. No, no, that's could could be further from the truth. And, and again, I'm the first to say this. You know, regardless of Democrat or Republicans, they haven't fixed this problem yet. It's going to take them both coming together. Even in my own state of Texas, our uh, our congressional representatives, all but one, came together with with a plan, and mm -hmm. it was put forth by Chip Roy. HR was it 25 or 29? I forget now. It's been a while since I've talked about it, but I've talked about it on several of my interviews. And it was to deal with those who are looking to, to come into our country through political asylum and make false claims. And what he said in his bill, HR 29, was either that we we keep them out of our country, or if we're going to allow them in our country, we keep them um, incarcerated until they've seen their asylum officer to determine whether or not they will receive asylum. Oh. All of our Texas representatives, other than one, um, came on board with it. It was happened to be my congressional representative, Tony Gonzalez. He, uh, you know, he talked for security on his reelection, and then when it came time, he, he, he wouldn't vote 
sense as far as why it was that. It made no sense, and he came up with his own board security bill that was 13 pages. Chip Roy's was two, Tony Gonzalez's was 13, and it was nothing but fluff. Uh, and, and I can say that because, again, I was a 26-year Border Patrol agent and talked about Operation Stone, Guard, Stone Garden and talked about metrics of border security technology. It um, talked about employee retention. I mean, this is stuff that we, we already do. Um, it was just fluff. But with that being said, um, it's going to take both sides working together. And, and, and you mentioned the left. So, right, like when we talk about war security, you know, when, when the right says we need to secure a border and the left says, uh, no, the, you know, the border is secure. They, they, they say that fentanyl only comes at the port of entry. Well, they forget the port of entry is part of that border security plan. It's in between the ports and the ports. And we are seeing, we are seeing the largest portions of fentanyl coming through the port of entry. But that's a lack of border security. We're still having seizures of fentanyl in between the ports of entry. So, so again, you're right. They're gonna they're gonna direct that conversation um, any way they want to make it look bad. And it's time to put down the bullcrap. Let's work together. Let's secure a border, and let's have some immigrants. Because you're right, I believe in illegal immigration. America, we want laborers to come here. We want cheaper labor because there's jobs that Americans are unwilling to do. Not going to do. And with that said, here in, in the area that I that I'm responsible for, we catch a lot of people from the state of Guerrero. That's down Acapulco, Guerrero, and they're all going to a certain location in California, Santa Maria, to pick strawberries and other produce. So um, again, that shows. We have the appetite for cheap labor. We've got to put some processes in place. We've got to get away from each presidential administration, regardless if they're Republican or Democrat. We've got to get away from policy change, and we've got to change our laws. Again, I articulated very well from President Clinton to Bush to Obama to Trump. You know, they all did good things for the border. They didn't fix it, but they all they all did a progressive um, buildup, and then with Trump had ever been here we've seen a complete destruction of what all those previous years and administrations had put forth to make our borders what they were it's like it never happened it's like it never happened and there are tons of like i talked about on the last segment before i break tons of efforts tons of revenue uh, money-wise have went into this border uh protecting sealing up the border and yet we had a president who said, you know what, uh, we don't need to continue this. And you hit it on the nail because it's very important that we understand. And I say this, set it on the campaign trail. Being in law enforcement, no matter what um, agency you serve in from the local, state, to federal level, we all have a mindset. And the mindset is this. It doesn't matter about if you're Republican or Democrat. It does not matter. What's matter is who's has uh, the mindset to have the people's best interest and the best interest other people is protecting and serving them. That's all that matters. That's all we care about. From the illegal immigrant, we, we don't care. We just want to protect them, but we want to do our job as you all are doing at the border and getting them back to where they should be because at the end of the day, they came over illegally. And, and until they do it right, I'm not for it. I'm not for it, and uh, I just think it's wrong. Go ahead, Sheriff. Yeah, no, I was going to mention again, and you you spurred two thoughts in my mind. And when I was in the Border Patrol, we had some some citizens in Terrell County that they're good people, but they're sovereign citizens. They don't see the they don't recognize the authority of the federal government or the state government. And uh, 
and we had some run-ins with them, unfortunately. And they're still American citizens, and I'm still to look after their rights, regardless if they agree with with my job or not. And, and same as the sheriff, there's some people that that uh, that you know at times may may not see eye to eye with the way I'm enforcing the law here, meaning. You know, we take care of our community first and foremost, but the major thing we're dealing with is cross-border activity. But again, they're still residents of this county, and they're, they're still under my purview to make sure they're they're safe and they're treated fairly. So so you're right, regardless if someone's... We don't look at red or blue when we're in law enforcement. We look at a human being. And same thing with people crossing our border, and I don't know if I... I know I talked about the levels of activity. Historically, we, we have one death a year in our area, at least one that find unfortunately and, and any death is bad we don't want to see anybody die um two years ago we had 19 deceased and then last year when i first took over sheriff we had our, our first one on the day i was sworn in in may 17th and we had a, a total from may 17th a total of 17 deaths of those 17 i put 15 in body bags myself and, and again they're human beings um you don't want to you don't want to have to to do that it, it's something that not that it's you know Seeing the death isn't bad, but to know that they're humans, they're somebody's brother, sister, child, father, um, you know, they're still, they're still humans. So, um, you know, we've got to bring that back, back around to, to that point you made, um, regardless to what country they're from, regardless of, of uh, what political affiliation they may have, not talking about legal aliens, but those who we serve in our communities, um, we're still going to do what's right by, by all. And we appreciate the job y'all are doing because at the end of the day, not many people can do this particular job. Uh, again, the danger, I always say that people say law enforcement is a dangerous job. And I say, absolutely. I break down some of the areas in law enforcement where it's more dangerous than ever. And uh, Border Patrol is number one on my list because uh, from the federal side, because of what y'all have to deal with, the terrain and a lot of y'all work is done at night, you know, detection and, and things like that. And these cartels, these uh, coyotes, they're out to, as we say, shed blood. And, and it's their lives over yours. And they're trying to make it illegal into our country. And you have wonderful people like yourself protecting and serving our border who are uh, brutally murdered at the hands of these people, all allegedly wanting a piece of the American dream, as I said, American pie. But you mentioned something earlier, and I talk about this too, to my black Americans, white Americans as well, and Hispanic Americans, whoever wants to listen. At the end of the day, yes, we need we need people uh, from the migrant communities of uh, these countries like Mexico and uh, El Salvador, uh, El Salvador, and places like that, Guatemala, to come um, and work. On, on, I live in a agriculture county, Johnston County. We're, we're the home of uh, what uh, pigs, soybeans, and things like that. We need these folks to come and, and be migrant workers. And I'm not trying to make less or, or, or make it, it sound racist, but I'm gonna tell you from a standpoint as a black man, I can't. I can go out right now, probably give a black person right now. I'm talking about a black person. Say I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars right now if you were would work on a farm for about six months out of the year. And we tell they're going to tell me, they're going to say, you lost your mind. The first thing they're going to reflect back on, you know where I'm headed, is slavery, which they've never been a part of. But that's what they equate to slavery. You mean you want me to pick cotton? Now, remember, I haven't mentioned anything about cotton picking. But what I'm, I said all that to say that we're not going to do that job. And I'm going to be honest with you, as a man of my status or whoever I'm supposed to be or 
probably want to be. I don't see myself getting on a farm and picking uh, uh, soybeans uh, or or, or uh, tilling tobacco. It's just not something that I want to do. Antoine, uh, if you owe me six months for $100,000, I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> I would tell you, listen, I probably I'm would serious, take it. But, hey. <laughs> segue into that a little bit um talking about human trafficking and smuggling um if i recall sheriff i don't remember what state it was i feel like it was uh, either arizona or texas where they found the um the uh, tra- trailer loaded with human bodies all of them were dead and of course the driver escaped was that texas or was that in uh, arizona it, it was texas and it, it, it was and that's happened so many times before um and in, in, in the more recent past we had it in, in a rail car because the, the, the Union Pacific Railroad that goes from L.A. all the way down to Houston traverses the border, you know, parallels the border, I'm sorry, and uh, and they often, they'll look to get in, in different containers, and then they get suffocated. So, so yes, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that was text. No, you didn't interrupt me at all. I wanted to get your opinion on it. And the thing about it is uh, I do give it up for, for these people because, listen, I always say, and you, you mentioned it, we're God-fearing Christians, we're God-first people. I thank God every day that I was born here in America. I, I didn't have to be smuggled into the country. I don't have to get inside of a shipping container and try to come and get a piece of the American dream. I was born here, and yet I have to talk about it. Uh, many Americans, our younger generation, of course, who have been indoctrinated at the school level are saying, and our black people and white people too, are saying that we are systemically racist in this country and that we have not been able to thrive as black people. They still want to get paid uh, 40 acres and a mule in California, just dumb things that California was not even a Southern state where slavery took place. But they saying that America is still systemically racist. They can't get up. However, Sheriff, we have people dying by way of drowning the Rio Grande, and you know all about that, by way of smuggling and suffocating in trucks and vehicles and tanks and uh, box trucks or whatever it is, cargo trucks, to get over to this great country we call America. There is a shift, and there has to be, if you're really thinking, 
take a step back and stay quiet for a moment and say something's not right. Why is it that our some people are saying that we're systemically racist, but yet here we have people still flooding our country trying to get over here? And then they, the people that actually uh, sometimes, and you see it, some of the greatest, and I'm not trying to make jokes or sound funny, some of the greatest uh, food comes out by way of a Mexican um, restaurant, right, that sells authentic tacos, right? These people we know probably don't have a green card, but guess what? They came to America, not all of them, some crimes, of course, but the majority of them come to try to better their lives. They start businesses here. And America here in North Carolina, I can name multiple of different Hispanic grocery shops that they have created that Americans shop at. I can't, unfortunately, name one black shop uh, supermarket where black owned and where you can come and buy products there. Even the Oriental have their stores, you know, the international stores. You can get all these products. Even the Middle Eastern culture has theirs. But yet people that were born here in America, I've even seen Hispanic banks. People that were born here, I'm talking about my black people who are the ones that are saying America's racist, don't have much to show from it other than that we are the highest paid uh, um, players in the sports world, basketball, football. Yes, we're good at that. Great uh, highest paid in the, uh, well, I wouldn't say highest paid, but some of our greatest celebrities are in um, the Hollywood actor uh, or actresses, but yet... People like average day people are saying, oh, I'm I'm being held down. But these are the people that said they've been held down. But yet every day they get to go to college, Sheriff. So I'm on my tantrum. But I had to break that down because that's very important to see that. And I think of it as Americans who's thinking that way or want to think that way. If you take a step back and listen to what Sheriff and I are saying, the people are dying to get over to this country. Wouldn't you think that it has to be some false rhetoric from some from somewhere? Somebody's lying. Even the people that on uh, the border who's saying these people are dying or the people on the left that are saying uh, the country is systemically racist. But both of them are not right. Sheriff, I want to add. Go right ahead. I, I, you made a statement that I always say, and I didn't make today, that we are blessed to be born in this country. Had I been born somewhere else, had I been born somewhere else, I'd be doing the same thing. And, and again, I, I told you how I was raised here by my grandmother in a border community that's predominantly Hispanic. But uh, we 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 just weren't raised that way. I mean, we were all we were all the same. We all, I mean, it's we weren't raised that way, you know. And, and I hope we can get those days behind us, you know, people that continue to to use that rhetoric. And uh, I, I'm just blessed, and I'm more blessed. You know, my, my kids got to the age where they're out of they're out of the home, they're in college, or they're serving in the military, and, and like, man, what's next? You know, for me, and uh, I have to remind myself if I can just wake up each day instead of trying to think about myself, but how do I bless somebody else? If, if the whole world would wake up and think, let's just bless somebody else, God, we'd, we'd be such a better place. It's very profound. I totally agree, and I think if we get back to that we can do something um, to better our next generation. Sheriff, I want to say this. When you look at the fact uh, of our border, what we have going on at the border, where do you see us going from here uh, as of today as it pertains to all these illegal immigrants? Because they're still coming in daily, right? Is that is that the case? Oh, oh yes. And, and some, I know we, we did talk some, of course. After Title 42 went away, um, there wasn't that big, huge rush on the day that the Title 42 expired, um, but we had seen a significant increase weeks before. 
I mean, we were having, you know, we were catching 40, 50, 60,000. Um, um, it, it was just, that was the big rush before. But since then, that the week after Title 42, there was 28,000 apprehensions. And, and, and that actually let me back up. You know, we didn't see that big rush of people. The administration took a victory lap and said, see, it wasn't so bad. Well, we had seen all those people cross before, mm-hmm. but it was it was the week after. It was still 28,000 apprehensions. So if you do the math, 28,000 times 52, that's still 1.4 million and some change. So the, the, the border still needs attention. It still needs work. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see anything change until we have that change in administration. But I can tell you here in the state of Texas, we have a governor that's going to continue to be in office. He's going to continue to fight for those resources along our border. He's going to continue to protect billions. Um, and they just funded another, I think it was $4 billion for border security um, this next legislative session. But with that being said, the governor also um, put a new position in the state of Texas, a position he calls the border czar, who's in charge of the border. And that's a former Border Patrol agent friend of mine, Michael Baines. Um, it's it's great that he put a border patrol agent in that position. It needs to be a border patrol agent. Texas is looking at creating its own border patrol. And even if we get a new administration in, and if President Trump comes back and we get back to the way the border is, we're still going to need um, additional assistance because there's just not enough border patrol agents out there. You can have all the technology. You can have all the fence. Um, it, it still takes a person, as I mentioned, with a badge on to go out and make that apprehension. So here in Texas, We've got a governor that's going to continue to uh, to protect our border um, and fill the gaps that the federal government has left. And when I say the federal government, that, that's not on the backs of Border Patrol agents or CBP officers. They continue to do what they can do. They continue to get out there daily and, and, and protect our border, protect our communities, and make those apprehensions. They just need additional resources. I'll tell you what. Um, when you look at that, I, you said something. I'm sitting there shaking my head. It is crazy that from the state level, you all have to spend that amount of money that could be used for other resources. Uh, and and, and we, you have to admit, in fact, the federal government should be doing this. Why in the world is the governor having to ask for more funding to help this border crisis? He's even going to start a border patrol agency. That's crazy. When we have the federal government where you worked, United States Border Patrol, who's in charge of both the southern and the northern border. And yet y'all have to spend money that's allocated for other reasons to put into the systems to help protect the border because the current administration does not want to do it. That is um, just, I don't even know where to start with that. I cannot, first time I heard that, that is the most craziest thing. Well, and I spent eight years on our school board here. I'm four of those. Four of those eight years, I was president of our school board. Wow. And I'll be I'll be the first to tell you, uh, and I'd much rather see that that billion or billions of dollars being spent on education. But being a border patrol agent, being a sheriff, I'm grateful for what Governor Abbott has done on our border. And, and I'll tell you, in Texas, Republicans and Democrats have come in and put legislation forward to approve the funding that goes in into our border and to continue to develop laws that will protect our border and our communities. Another point I want to make, and that I made in in a recent interview is, um, man, you you know, how can can you live in the United States of America and be afraid to go out into your your ranch or your yard? All along the border, we have people that are afraid because of just the, the sheer amount of people that are crossing. And again, the vast majority may be 
people without a criminal history or record, yes, they're still breaking the law, but you still have that criminal element that they're crossing and the people that are desperate. So how can you live in America and be afraid to go out on your own property? Something that you built. And now you're afraid because the illegal intrusions are happening. And I'm sure they're using their property as hideaways and all types of stuff. Uh, and God forbid, if, if you protect your uh, livestock, your home, your family, your ranch by um, use of uh, force, whatever that may be, I'm going to leave you there. But I understand, I can only imagine what type of trouble or penalties that they were trying to impose upon those people who are allowed or supposed to be allowed to protect their uh, property and persons. It's unbelievable, Sheriff. I, I tell you, y'all have an uphill battle. Y'all are fighting very strong, and we are supporting you as much as we can from uh, North Carolina and other surrounding states. I say to you that uh, it is very important that the word continues to get out. I want to do another show at some point down the road to see where we're at with this border crisis deal, but you keep working and you're doing a great job until you're deputy chief. Uh, and you are looking for a sheriff uh, deputy at this point, aren't you, sheriff? Where could they uh, apply for that position if it's out yet? Yes, yes. So uh, and, and let, me, let me tell you one last point, and then I'll give you that information. Sure. But, hey, you, you know, we, we just deal with that initial crossing, that initial incursion when they cross your border. But they're not standing along the border. They're, they're going to North Carolina, they're going to South Carolina, they're going to Iowa, Kansas, Virginia, you name it. They're not staying here. And, and even you, you touched on something earlier, you know, you talk about, you know, Texas busing people out of the state. Um, that's costing more more money. But it may have something that started as a political ploy, but I tell you, I support it because, again, they're not going to stay here. Let's get them out of our state. Let's get them to where they want to go. And then let's let that state start, you know, paying, paying for those those needs that they may have. Um, but with that being said, yes, we do have some deputy position as well as dispatch jitter position. You can go on our Facebook at Carroll County Sheriff's Office. That's two R's and two L's, Carroll County. Or you can also go look at, at my personal Facebook and Instagram, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland or Thaddeus for Texas. I have both Instagram and Facebook pages. And I've even launched a website for my exploratory campaign for the 23rd congressional district here in texas it's uh that is for texas.com i got it so now you're you're going to be uh, seeking the office of um what is this congress is that what i'm looking at the uh, state congress is that what you're going for no sir it, it's u.s congress it's u.s congress it's the 23rd here in texas it's it's the largest congressional district it makes up 800 miles of the mexico u.s border um but with that said, it's just a it's just an exploratory committee at this time. Um, Texas has a, a law; it's called "Resign to Run." So, if and when I decide to make a, a, an announcement that I'm going to run, I'll have to resign as sheriff, and I'm not ready to do that yet. We still have work to be done. So, uh, so again, that's that's where we're at right now. I look forward to the Big Red helping you. This is going to be great news. I'm looking forward to sharing this with the CEO himself, Al. Um, we can help you out, and I know that uh, we can have a victory. Uh, that's very interesting because, you know, in some states they don't have that, but I do know here in North Carolina, uh, once you vacate your office, usually you will finish out that term, of course, and you seek another level of office or another um, seat somewhere in a total different 
uh, makeup of what you're serving in, you are, if you lose that particular election, uh, of course, you have to, uh, if you still have term time left, you can go ahead and uh, reapply or run again. Um, so that's very interesting there that you have to resign from that particular one. So I like the way that you plan it all out, exp uh, exploratory for right now. I think we can change that from that status to a full-fledged uh, campaign. And when you're ready to release uh, and go ahead and do your uh, campaign launch, we are going to be there to help. Sheriff, it has been a great time um, having you on the show. I've uh, enjoyed all things um, Southern Border. Thing. But Sheriff, I don't want to take your time. We had some technical difficulties on our end that we were able to work through. We had to do a couple different takes and breaks, but we made it happen. And I'm glad that you were able to weather the storm with me and stick around and shed light. And uh, you are, again, a wealth of information. And, and before I end, I want to yield the floor back to you and allow you to uh, close this great segment out. And then I'll come back and do my outro, and then we'll get out of here. The floor is yours once again, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland. Antoine, again, just thank you for having me. Um, thank you for, for all the, the kind words. Um, and I'll, if you ever come out to West Texas, I'll take you out on the border, show you some some of the river um, down here. It, it, it's beautiful. Um, but again, God bless you. Thank you for uh, getting the word out. And anything I do for you, just holler, let me know. And, and uh, I'll be in touch. I'm going to take you up on that offer for sure. I'm going to come. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, I love Texas. It's a wonderful place. I've had the opportunity to go to Austin, Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, and um, what else have I been? I don't think I've been to San Antonio, but I'm coming to uh, Terrell County to hang out with Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland. And uh, as we get ready to wrap up, again, we want to remember those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice, who lost their lives. Um, serving in our United States Armed Forces, and to the men and women who are still yet alive and breathing, like Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland in the United States Air Force, we thank you for serving. Uh, we thank you uh, to your family as well. We thank your family, your wife, for uh, and your mom and dad. Well, your mother, I know your grandparents raised you, but for all everybody who made up, you had to have a mother to be born. So we even give her credit, wherever she may be, God rest her soul. If she's not with us or if she's with us, God bless her. Um, to everybody, to your whole family. What I'm trying to say is this. We appreciate your family for allowing you to serve and your dad telling you to go um, and serve in the Air Force. And so we appreciate it. We thank your dad for his service to law enforcement and to uh, everybody, your grandpa, for his service to law enforcement. We appreciate it. And my prayer is that God will keep you safe. And uh, as we end, I want to say this, as I always say, reach one and teach one. Today's show, entitled, okay, All Things the Southern Border, we said what is really happening on our southern border. You heard it from Sheriff Thaddeus Clark, who's down at the border. And I want to leave you with this again. Happy Memorial Day. Enjoy. Take time to love on your families. And my uncle, two of my uncles actually served, uh, I didn't mention this, Sheriff, in our United States Armed Forces. One was in Special Forces in the Army. Another one was a Marine. And then my mom's only sister, who is uh, retired, all parties have retired, one uncle is deceased, the other one um, now, who also is a retired police officer. Um, he's still with us. 
and to my mother's sister um, who served in the United States uh, Army as well. She retired as a high-ranking official. So I have some folks in my family that served, and we appreciate that. We take time to love on them as well. And until we meet again, I always like to say this, Sheriff, at the end of the show, please, God, continue in this very befitting in this moment to bless and keep our men and women that are serving in the United States Armed Forces. Uh, God, please continue to bless the men and women who are serving in blue. That is our law enforcement community. And until we have an opportunity to share and talk again, we'll see you very soon. And remember, you are listening to Real Talk. And I am your host, Officer Antoine Thomas. And you have heard from Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland. Again, we'll see you.